Are we ready? Okay. I know everyone has lots to share, but would you please take your places so we can begin to worship? Would you please, after you took your seat, please stand. Stand. Stand, yes. Would everyone please stand for the call to worship? And if you would join me in the responsive. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. O oh, loving God, to turn away from you is to fall. To turn toward you is to rise. And to stand before you is to abide forever. Grant us, dear God, in all our duties, your help. In all our uncertainties, your guidance. In all our dangers, your protection. And in all our sorrows, your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And would you now join in that wonderful, wonderful old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
seated. And may we have all the boys and girls and youth and young at heart Come on down. Come on down. So, today is a big day. Where's Kalea? Ooh. It's your birthday next Sunday? And you're going to be where? England. Wow. Well, happy birthday. How old will you be? Eleven. Great age. Happy birthday. And safe travels. Enjoy. So, oh, the joke jar. Last time for the joke jar. Who wants one? Mm, mm. We'll, do, we'll do two jokes. Okay. Uh, three jokes. All right, can you read them? What do you call a cow that won't give milk? What do you call a cow that won't give milk? Milk dud. Milk dud. <laughs> All right, a milk dud. A milk dud, get it? All right. What kind of key opens a banana? What kind of key opens a banana? A monkey. <laughs> and final joke from the joke jar? Carter. What do you call a cow with no legs? What do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Ground beef. Okay. All right. Well, I got to collect these jokes because the children in Santa Barbara will want to hear these jokes, I'm sure. Okay, is that all right? Yeah, yeah. So, this is my last Sunday with you. Do you know that? Yeah, I know. It's true. It's true. And so, when you go places, what do you take with you? Suitcase. A suitcase, that's right. And uh, maybe the most important thing you can take when you go on vacation and not Everybody does this. You take your Bible. Oh, this is not a Bible. These are covenant calls. These are like Bibles. This is my second Bible, Corey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those covenant calls. So what do you take Always on vacation, wherever you go, you take your Bible. And this is God's Word, and we read it every day, and God blesses us and encourages us and helps us when we read the Bible. It's a big book. Where do we start? Where do you start? In, in the beginning, you could do that. But sometimes it's easier to start in a gospel, and maybe the gospel of Mark. It's an action gospel. Jesus is doing a lot of exciting things. So starting out with Mark's gospel and kind of reading a couple of verses a day. Very important. Very important. And finally, today, 
we are doing something we do every month. It's called a service for wholeness. And we take olive oil. Where do we find the olive oil? Trader Joe's. It never gets old, does it? (laughs) And this symbolizes, it's an ancient symbol of healing and wholeness, and people will come forward, and we will put this oil on their foreheads or on their hands. Who would like some oil on your forehead or on your hand? You would? There we go. God bless you. God be with you. Who else would? Would you? God bless you. Oh, okay. Forehead? Really? Wow. God be with you. Ooh, Pastor Charles is back. (laughs) On your hand, okay. Anyone else? On their hand or their forehead? Oh, of course course a symbol of wholeness and blessing and on your hand and love okay well bless you children let's have a prayer for you let's put out a hand of blessing for our children and god we pray that you would bless our children and keep them we pray that you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them We pray that you would lift up the light of your being toward them and grant them as they go peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good to be with you, boys and girls. We'll see you at the party. We'll see you at the party.
love from the ashes. Your love has brought us out of the darkness and into the light, lifting our sorrows, bearing our burdens, healing our hearts. To our God, we lift up one voice. To our God, we lift up one song.
I'm a lost without you. Sing that one more time. I'm a lost without you. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. So in faith and penitence, let us confess our sins together before God and one another. Join with me. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burden of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, our sins, and free us from selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Hear the good news. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. Please stand. Thank you. 
Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Cornell. Our scripture readings for next Sunday morning are taken from 2 Kings 5 and Galatians 6. Let us listen for God's word to us. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans 
on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure Naaman of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you, I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you have not done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy and he was clean. The epistle reading is taken from Galatians chapter 6 at verse 14. May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. We worship, we listen, we pray this day in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. This Thursday is the 4th of July. America is celebrating the birth of our young nation, 243 years young. John Adams, the second president, wrote to his wife Abigail the following, the second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable apocalypse in the history of America. 
I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. John Adams by David McCulloch. I'm down on fireworks because it frightens our pets. So keep your dogs and cats in a safe place. And we learned this morning from soul music that freedom is indeed fragile. So we'll be gathering with our families and friends to remember our freedom this Thursday. Our Old Testament lesson for next Sunday, thank you, Sharon, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, is a story of baby skin. And we're going to learn from the Hebrew narrative of a haughty Naaman, a humble servant girl, and a hidden prophet, Elisha. And we're going to lift up two transforming truths, not only about this commander's cleansing from a debilitating disease, but we will re-see and rejoice that God comes to us and renews us as well in very simple ways. Then we're going to touch briefly on those weighty and wonderful words in Galatians that our only pride and joy is the cross. The story of Naaman comes to us in 2 Kings 5. It's a vivid account, we can see it in our mind's eye, of a non-Jew, a Gentile, a military enemy, a Syrian, a man whose name was Naaman. We know a few things about Naaman. Naaman is a commander, a commander in the army of the king of Syria. David and Solomon are dead. The northern kingdom of Israel was skirmishing with Syria to its north. Raiding parties would move back and forth along the border. So Syrian Naaman was probably a known and feared enemy. And as well, we shall see a wealthy one. In 2 Kings 5, the author tells us that Naaman was a great man in high favor with his master. And this is interesting because, quote, by Naaman, the Lord had given King Aram victory. God, now siding with Gentiles, non-Israelites, could that God beyond Israel be a peephole into the gospel which would later include Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. The gospel for all humankind and Naaman is a foretaste of Christ's worldwide grace. But lastly, and this piece of information negated virtually all of Naaman's accomplishments and greatness the text reads, though a mighty warrior, Naaman suffered from leprosy. Leprosy was a term for several different skin diseases, but it always rendered its victims socially dangerous, rejected by the community, ostracized by family and friends. The only people who would go near a leper were people who had to, or other lepers. 
Such was Naaman's state. Enter a servant girl. She was a Jew taken into Syrian captivity during a raid into Israel. The servant girl, now a mistress to Naaman's wife, spoke up, if only my Lord would visit the prophet who was living in Samaria in Israel, he would cure him of his leprosy. That word gets to Naaman. Naaman asked the king for permission to travel. After all, this journey was into hostile territory. The king of Syria grants Naaman permission to travel. The king even provides Naaman with a letter of passage. So Naaman goes. Strangely, Naaman goes to the wrong place. Naaman goes to the king of Israel, not first to the prophet in Samaria. And we learn that Naaman doesn't travel alone. He has a whole entourage of horses and chariots and possessions, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 sets of garments. Various estimates have been put forth of the value of all this stuff, but scholars believe that Nathan's procession of sheer materialism was impressive indeed. Naaman arrives at the king's residence, letter in hand. In the letter, the Syrian king saying, you king of Israel, you may now cure Naaman. What? Cure leprosy? There's no cure for leprosy. Am I God? Why is this king of Syria sending Naaman down here? Why he's just down here to pick a fight with me? Powerful, tough, Syria, weak, ill-prepared Israel. We are in trouble. So an ancient act of despair, the king of Israel, what? Tore his clothes. Enter Elisha. Elisha was a prophet in Israel. Elisha had inherited the mantle, the voice of God from the prophet Elijah. Elisha now hears about the despair of the king of Israel. So Elisha sends a message to the king, send Naaman up here that he may know there's a prophet in Israel. I love that phrase. He may know there's a prophet in Israel. So up comes Naaman, proud, haughty Naaman with all his horses and chariots, all arriving at Elisha's doorstep. But Elisha sends out a servant. Elisha doesn't himself come out. Sends out a servant with a humble remedy. Go, Naaman, with your entourage down to the muddy Jordan River and wash seven times and you'll be restored, cleansed, baby skin. Naaman is upset, angry that the prophet of Israel wouldn't even come out to see him, angry that this order is so stupid. Wash in the muddy Jordan, angry that Elisha didn't perform some razzle-dazzle miracle, something really flashy to cure Naaman. After all, this is Naaman. He's the favored one. So Naaman leaves muttering something about any river in Syria being greater than all the waters of Israel. So while Naaman is sulking, a Syrian servant of Naaman said, in essence, look, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, you'd have done it. But this is simple. Wash and be clean. So Naaman's servant is the first Nike salesperson. Just 
do it. So proud Naaman humbles himself, goes down to the Jordan, immerses himself seven times, and Naaman's flesh is restored, made clean, like a young boy's baby skin. Two things we learn about this story in 2 Kings 5. First of all, God's work in our lives is often very ordinary. We, like Naaman, want God to be in the miracle business. We want the sky to break open. We want voices to come down. We want the Spirit to strike us and be knocked off our horses. We envy believers who have these stirring testimonies about how God saved them from a life of debauchery, pulled them from the brink. But more often, God works with us in rather ordinary ways, like listening to a servant who encourages Naaman, like performing a humble act, like following the advice of a slave girl, like washing in an insignificant muddy river, God calls us out of the ordinary, and maybe we have set the miracle bar too high. Maybe God works through ordinary life experience with us as well, like attending worship or reading our Bibles or spending time in prayer or being there for our families. In Santa Barbara, they opened the church up as a warming place for homeless. It's a small thing means everything to someone in need. Naaman's looking for Elisha to wave his hand over the spot, and God ends up sending him to an ordinary river. Where will God meet you in the ordinary this week? What will you do for God's sake? I'm going to write a letter to a friend, not an email, a real note. Secondly, God not only works in the ordinary, but God often works in the simplicity. That's a great picture. Not complicated, not convoluted, but with simple uses of water and soap, Naaman's made whole. The gospel is profound, but it's not complicated. God has set the love of Christ upon you. God has shown you and me mercy and pardon. God asks us through Christ to follow Him. That invitation is not complicated. Old Matthew Henry, a beloved biblical commentator, wrote of this passage in 2 Kings, the methods for healing of the leprosy of sin are so plain. Believe and be saved. Repent and be pardoned. Wash and be clean. Do you believe? Do I? Am I following? The work of God is often ordinary, not very complicated. In a moment or two, We'll be praying by name for those in hospitals, nursing facilities, at home, those with special need. Prayer is uncomplicated. You can pray anywhere. You can pray in the grocery line. You can pray at the DMV. (laughs) Maybe especially at the DMV. You can pray with your families this Thursday as you gather around thanking God for precious freedom. Finally, and briefly, to the book of Galatians. Last slide. One verse in the book of Galatians signed for next Sunday's epistle lesson. Verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I purchased a little silver Jerusalem cross in the Holy Land years ago, and I gave it to my niece, Anna, and she wore it, that silver cross, Jerusalem cross, and people remarked on its beauty, and Anna was very grateful. And I see some here have crosses. Do you have a cross? In the Roman world, the sight of a cross was like visualizing an electric chair or a lethal injection table or a waterboard torture instrument, only much more hideous and terrible. Paul said, or whoever wrote Galatians said, do not boast except in one thing, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that makes sense because God has used that cross to reveal God's Son. God has used that cross to reveal God's wisdom, God's power. God has used that cross to reveal God's love, all by the cross. So we boast, we take justifiable pride only in the cross. You can work productively, and I hope you do. You can play happily, and I hope you are. You can love passionately, and I hope you also do that. But both take pride in the cross of Christ alone. So isn't that Naaman a character? God humbled him. How is God humbling you and I this week? Let's begin that humility with one boast and one boast only, the cross of Christ. So it's been my honor to serve you as your interim pastor these past uh, 20 months. Thank you for being a gracious and loving and encouraging congregation. And for Pastor Sharon next month and Pastor Jason on August 1, I offer my prayers and support and blessings and love. Charles Spurgeon, 19th century London Prince of Preachers, said, You will often hear the gospel better preached, but you will never hear preached a better gospel. You will often hear the gospel better preached, but you will never hear preached a better gospel. Shall we pray? Almighty God, please humble us in this day, and then so lift us with Christ to the cross of your glory. May we walk this week aware of our true place, recipients of your boundless love and grace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us um, stand and sing an old gospel hymn, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus.
If you look in your bulletins, you can see where we are um, budget to uh, actual. And it's my joy to remind us that we are doing well. So thank you for your generosity. Don't stop. No, stop. (laughs) And we are going to, our students are going to wait upon us for our morning tithes and offerings. Come forward, students. We lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you, we are an offering, Lord use our voices. our hands, Lord, use our lives, they are yours, we are an offering, all that we have, all that we
may be seated. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Let us be those people. Shall we seek God's face and pray together? Holy and merciful God, you are creator and we are your creation. You are Lord and we are not. We humble ourselves before your throne and pray for a world in desperate need of you. We lift up the worldwide church and pray for each pastor and all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, from the United States to Canada and Mexico, to Europe, Asia, Africa, and every nook and cranny of this world. May your mercy be upon everyone. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. We pray, Father, that you would be glorified by your creation, by those that know and love you, and by those who currently refuse to do so. Hear our prayers, Lord, and remove all remaining obstacles hindering the good news of the gospel from reaching the very ends of the earth. We pray for your hand of peace on the escalating tensions in Iran, Palestine, China, and North Korea. We pray to keep lines of communication open and ask for your discernment for the leaders involved. As we get ready to celebrate our country's 243rd birthday this week, we pray for our citizens and our nation, particularly, Lord, those that are not living the American dream. May the ideals that our nation was founded upon be true today. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. The freedom we enjoy is indeed fragile and precious. The freedom we have to worship you in public as our Lord and God. May we be a nation that humbles ourselves and serves you, honors you, Lord, that the lofty ideals upon which our nation was founded may be true today for the benefit of humankind and to your glory. Right here in our midst, Father, we have friends and loved ones that need a touch from you today. We pray for your hand of healing on Johnny Ernest, Charlotte Kalenda, Joan Clamp, Frank Ortiz, and any others among us that are facing health challenges. May each one feel your presence today as you hold them and guide them and keep them. We pray for Frank and Diane Ortiz as they grieve the passing of Frank's daughter, Jolene, and any among us that are grieving the loss of a loved one. May each feel your hand of comfort upon them and upon their families.
Father, on this last Sunday that Pastor Charles will be shepherding our congregation, we pray for your hand of blessing upon him. Lord, we send him forth with heartfelt gratitude for his leadership and love over these past 20 months. And we pray for him and for his next assignment from you in Santa Barbara, for his health and for his well-being as he continues to faithfully serve you. We pray too for Pastor Jason and his family as he prepares to join us as our new pastor. May they feel our welcome prayers as we anticipate their arrival. We lift up these prayers, the unspoken prayers and the spoken ones, knowing that you hear us and love us and will work things out for our good. Lord, we want to be known as a congregation that is called by your name, that humbles ourselves, prays and seeks your face, and turns from our wicked ways. May it be so, Lord. In Jesus' holy and powerful name, we commit these prayers to you. Amen. We come now to our service for wholeness. This liturgy is taken out of our own Book of Common Worship, and we invite you to come forward for prayers for yourself, for family or friends, for our world. And remember, the short prayers are here, the medium prayers are there, the longer prayers are there. Hear the promises of God. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God consoles us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. Please pray with me. Gracious God, source of all healing, in Jesus Christ you heal the sick and mend the brokenhearted. We bless you for this oil pressed from the fruits of the earth, given to us as a sign of healing and forgiveness, and for the fullness of life you give. By your Spirit come upon all who receive this ministry of compassion, that they may receive your healing touch and be made whole to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. And we now offer the prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please rise as we sing together our hymn of commitment, God be with you till we meet again.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May the love and blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit watch over you this day, this night, in the season of Pentecost, and forevermore. Amen. This is Pastor Charles Fenson again, and we invite you at any point to come and worship with us here at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa. We trust that God has been honored by this worship service and that you have been blessed. God be with you.